You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Division, the AFC North. Um, so yeah, let's do it. We're going to talk about the Bengals and the Browns. We've got two incredible guests to bring on from the Dynasty Nerds. We've got Marvin and we've got Jason. So, boys, welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you guys so much for for having us. Um, always love that you guys um, put this event together. It, it means a lot for for me and for I know for a lot of people that uh, you know that struggle with mental health, and it, it's so important. So I appreciate you guys for setting this up. And I will say I agree that you guys are two of the better. Uh, wildcard host. So I'm always excited that I get to come on here with you too. Uh, just kidding. I love Matt, but um, truthfully thankful uh, to be here. I love it. I would echo the sentiments. It's just great to be with you. Um, I'm excited to make my first appearance here on the stream. I've been listening to your content throughout what's morning for me, what's afternoon for you guys, and you've just been uh, crushing it. So I'm excited to jump on and be with you guys today. No, we Good really stuff. appreciate you you coming on and sharing your, your morning with us. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really appreciative and with that, Kev, over to you with the the Bengals. Yeah, landed in a great spot with the Bengals here, and what a place to start! The man himself with his headband on, Joe Burrow looking absolutely fly. Um, twenty twenty two was a true breakout season for him as QB four in fantasy points per game. We know the real life perspective is pretty awesome, but it was nice to see him take that step in fantasy as well. Um, more rushing output than I expected, um, partly due to five touchdowns on the ground, but currently QB4 at keep trade cut ahead of other guys like Lamar, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. So want to get you guys' thoughts on Burrow at his current cost, QB4. Would you be taking him ahead of those guys I mentioned, or would you say that there is someone that's uh, going slightly higher, either the same tier as well? So Lamar, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Have you got Burrow above all of those, or are they in the same tier? Uh, yeah, I can jump in here first. Um, I, I do think they're all kind of in that tier behind, you know, kind of the, I guess, what we'd consider the big three uh, quarterbacks and Mahomes and Hertz and Allen. Uh, but I, I personally would take Burrow ahead of all of those guys. I think maybe Lamar is the only exception uh, because of what we've already seen and his upside can be, right? He can be the QB1 on any given uh, year because of that rushing upside. But to your point, Burrow um, had a career high 8.7% rushing share. That was good for QB8. I mean, that's still a, there's still a pretty big gap to what like Hertz is doing, but that's still pretty impressive for someone who's in a really pass heavy offense. And that's what honestly I just like about uh, Burrow's situation. You know, the, the wide receivers, the continuity, Zach Taylor, uh, they're third in the league last year in neutral situation passing rate um, in the red zone. So they want to pass the ball in high value situations. Um, and that's that's why he, he had a breakout year. And so I expect more of that again this year with a lot of the same pieces coming back. Um, so to me, he is a, a, easily a top five dynasty quarterback. Um, would happily take him at QB4. Um, but, you know, like I said, Lamar is the the one that I'm kind of um, wondering if he could kind of creep back up into that uh, elite tier. And uh, I think I'm pretty much on the same page as you, Marvin. Um, I mean, I, I think if you draft Burrow at QB4, you're pretty much drafting him at his ceiling or his max capacity. Um, sure, he may climb into that top three, but 
Um, you're probably drafting him for about his max. That, but And that's usually frowned upon from a dynasty perspective. But in this case, I have no issue with it. I mean, I think you're getting him at a fair value there. Um, I think, you know, he's proven himself as a top asset. He's got some of the best uh, weapons around him in the game right now. So strategically, I don't think there's a lot of risk to taking him there. Now, for me, I'm, I'm a value scrounger. So if we were in a startup, I probably am trying to look to trade down a spot or two. Um, I'm okay with Lamar there. I'm even okay with Herbert. Um, and if you can get Herbert plus, you know, for in exchange for the pick, that would that would net you uh, Burrow. I, I think I'd be okay with that. But if if Burrow's your guy and you feel strongly about him, I have no objection at all to you taking him as the fourth overall. Yeah, completely agree. And, and Kev, just passing it to you. Um, how, I take it Burrow's in your second tier. How big is that second tier for you? Um, does it include the likes of Lamar? Is he in that second tier with with Herbert? Trevor Lawrence, um, yeah. How big is that? And would you be looking to move down in a startup if you were, say, pick four to get one of those guys? I mean, first of all, yeah, it's quite a big tier for me. Um, I think there's about six or seven in that tier. I think depending on your league format, you can tell a story for different ones. So, like, if it's touchdown heavy, passing touchdown heavy, um, obviously guys like Burrow, maybe Herbert are going to be at the top. I think four point passing touchdown leagues. I do tend to lean upside, so this might be spicy, but I've got Lamar as my four and I've got Fields as my five, which I know you don't have to pay that, but they're at the top of my tier just based on if everything hits, they're going to give me a, an advantage over the people that have got maybe your Burrows, your Herberts, your Dax, etc. So, yeah, I don't have to pay that price for them, but um, I, I, it's like anything. You don't really want to be paying at the top of the tier, like Jason mentioned. If you can slide down a little bit, pick up a bit of value value scrounge then that is that is <laughs> ideal and one follow-up for for marvin and for jason is is there a world where where joe burrow gets into that top tier with with the big three or do you do you really see this as his his ceiling yeah that's a that's that's a great question i i, I think with with i think just the gap in in we talked a little bit about that rushing upside that kind of elevates some of the the guys in that top top tier and Mahomes kind of being in a, a very efficient uh very effective pass heavy offense as well um it, i mean i wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden we see him kind of creep into you know in that higher end dynasty adp but um i i do see right now that that's like jason said i agree that it is kind of his ceiling um they'd have to take a massive step forward and either him taking you know, a lot more of those rush attempts, which are valuable for fantasy. I don't, I don't see that happening, or them being even more efficient than they already are, and and uh, which they're already up there. So it's hard to envision like a scenario where he could really take that next step, unless he, um, you know, unless something um, massive happens, which um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. But um, you know, he's still very much like you said, like a a top tier quarterback that I'm, I'm fine taking. It's just I, I don't see him taking that next step into the clear cut QB one or QB two in, in Dynasty. Yeah, I, I would say, I, I, in my opinion, I mean, this is just we're just giving our opinions here, but I think oh, yeah. you know <laughs> of, of the top three, I, I would say one of them would have to take a step back in order for Burrow to ascend into that top tier versus him doing anything more on the field to to ascend, you know, based on performance because he's basically, I mean, if you look at last year's rushing stats that you mentioned in the question, I don't see him getting, you know, that's probably as most that you could ever expect out of him in a, in a year. And uh, so to, to expect that he would give you any more than that is probably foolhardy. So I, I think he's probably right about where he ought to be valued. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But, 
you know, like I said, I think maybe, you know, Mahomes or Hertz or one of those guys takes a step back, then sure Burrow could 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 make a leap, but I, I don't see it based on anything that he could do uh, on the field. Yep, completely agree. We'll we'll move on to to the running back position and the guy that has been incredibly productive the last few years in in Joe Mixon. Um faded away a little bit the back of last year with them going more pass happy um but if you do hold mixon if you're a contender in 2023 um are you still happy with joe mixon as one of your top runner back options um and then with them drafting chase brown do you see him coming in and having much of the workload this season so uh i, I can jump in on this one first if, if that's okay um for me, Mixon's, I think, one of the trickiest players, you know, to, to evaluate this offseason because of the obvious off the field things that are going on with him. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Drew Davenport on Twitter, but he's actually mm-hmm. he's, he's legal counsel and he's also heavy into fantasy. So he's great in these types of situations. He gives a lot of you know, like insider uh, baseball kind of intel. Um, he, and he, I was reading a, a recent thread that he had out about the, the police department in Cincinnati. They refiled their criminal charge of aggravated menacing uh, in the beginning of April. Um, so he he feels that, you know, for them to refile that charge, they must have a pretty significant case and a lot of evidence against him. Obviously, that's one of the things that makes him so uh, inflammatory and so difficult to to place value on right now. Um now, couple that, couple that with his well-documented incidences of public misconduct as a college athlete before he was even drafted, um, it's fair to wonder whether the NFL intercedes here, you know, under the auspices of their personal conduct policy, regardless of you know how how the trial and the legal situation works out, because it's not unprecedented for them to have done that, you know, just based on the public perception of of, of the player and how he's affecting the the badge, as they say. Um, he's also got a twelve point eight million dollar cap hit for this season which has, you know, earlier in the season created us, you know, some speculation and uncertainty about his future in Cincinnati. Um, the, the front office actually seemed to fan those flames a little bit at the combine when they were asked about his future and kind of gave a lukewarm response about whether he was part of their long-term plan. Now, Zach Taylor more recently spoke out and said that he's supporting Mixon and they believe in him and, you know, the types of things that you would expect to hear from an organization. But, you know, it's fair to wonder, is that just – uh trying to prop him up for for trade value at this point um it, it's hard you know everybody plays these mind games in the offseason so i do like chase brown quite a bit i think he's going to complement you know the powerful bengals offense quite nicely I, if i'm a contender i think i'm reluctant to sell mixon because he's at a, probably about the lowest point that he could possibly be right now so what's what are you going to get back for him but I'm also trying to make sure I reinforce that positional group. I don't think you, as especially as a contender, you can't go into this season counting on him as your as your top back. I mean, if he's part of your core, that that's fine. But uh, I don't think I would look to be a buyer on him either. I think I'm just a, in a hold pattern if I own him, and I'm kind of letting somebody else kind of feel that headache if if I'm on the outside looking in. Yeah, I completely agree uh, there, Jason. I um, I just can't envision them, you know, outside of the the off-field issues that you outlined i just don't see them keeping mixon long term considering like you said the the cap it that he has they could save 10 million this year if they cut him i think roughly um and next year as well and so um when you have guys like joe burrow and t higgins up for extensions and you have logan wilson on on their defensive side that they need to extend as well you know you have to prioritize some of these positions you can't re-sign them all and i think the three guys i mentioned are arguably more valuable uh for that for that team and so um 
you know, when you have someone like Chase Brown, who I'm not the biggest fan of, um, I think there's, there are aspects of his game that I like, um, but, you know, five-year running backs that are drafted on day three don't usually hit at a high rate. You know, it's usually around that nine, 10 percent. So something to keep in mind, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they run it with Chase Brown, if they do cut Mixon and then maybe uh, draft another running back in next year's class, which has a couple of solid names that could be there in the second round for them. Um, you know, similar to Mixon a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Um, so I, I do think he's the odd man out in this situation um, beyond just the off-field issues. And then you couple that as well, you know, add that on to it. Uh, I think uh, his his uh, days in, in Cincinnati are likely numbered, which, you know, is unfortunate. He's been great for fantasy, but, um, you know, that's, I think, you know, when off-field issues happen, I think, you know, teams have to make that decision and it's likely going to happen. So, um, yeah, all that to say, I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable with him as my RB1 uh, in Dynasty at all. <laughs> no, and Kev, have you got much exposure to, to Mixon in, in terms of Dynasty? Because we have previously been big fans of Mixon for, for what he can produce. Um, and then Chase Brown, have you been taking much Chase Brown in, in rookie drafts? Yeah, I think I've got a fair bit of Mixon. Um, I just... I reckon if if he stays out of cuffs, then he's going to be absolutely um, a massive value. I think the workload wise is fantastic. Yes, there is guys like Chase Brown, Chris Evans, Trayvon Williams, etc. But I think if he does avoid jail or whatever, then he's going to be a great value. He's going to be an RB one. He's in an amazing offense. I think how the market views Smash AP right now is as the best running back ever. Um, <laughs> him leaving actually creates work for for Mixon um, with with how everyone's yeah. talking him up. But um, yeah, we do like Chase Brown at Fantasy Wildcard. I think he's an interesting guy. But like I say, day three guys are always long shots. It's it's a pipe dream more than anything. But yeah, I think Mixon, if he if he does avoid that uncertain situation, is going to be a great uh, one year play. I would just add too. I mean, I know it's they're not uh, attractive names from a dynasty standpoint, but the free agent market is pretty well stocked with some guys floating mm -hmm. around out there too. Like mm -hmm. yeah. you know, got Kareem Hunt, you got Fournette, you've got you know Zeke Elliott. Those guys are just out on the street right now. And if you're the Bengals and you're looking to contend for a Super Bowl and you can mm -hmm. sign those guys for fairly cheap, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see one of those guys come in as competition in the summertime. And that then, you know, makes Mixon even more expendable because they've got, you know, a, a reliable vet in there to, to pair with Chase Brown. So um, I, I know I already mentioned that you probably don't want to sell Mixon right now because his value's at a low point. But his value could get even lower, I suppose, if one of those guys, you know, finds themselves in town. Indeed, completely agree. We'll, we'll go from an <laughs> uncertain uh running back room to a absolutely loaded wide receiver room there's only one guy we can start off with so over to you kev yeah it's great talking about these bengals players isn't it <laughs> talking the cream of the crop here but um yeah jamar chase clear elite tier at wide receiver him and jefferson um a lot of people have jefferson above chase but still same tier he's had a great start to his career wide receiver five and six in fantasy points per game last two seasons i think there's maybe even bigger upside in the future with Teague to being a free agent. Um, I think with Chase, he's a round one startup guy. But in existing leagues, I don't see many trades involving Jamar Chase. So I'm going to throw a scenario out to you both. You've got Joe Burrow to get the stack with Chase. It's going to cost you free future first to acquire him. Are you paying that or is it a player and pick deal that you prefer if you're going after Chase? Yeah, I'll I'll weigh in here real quick. Uh, I mean, if... if uh... If I had to pay that price, I think 
uh, I'd be extremely ten- tempted, and that says a lot about Jamar Chase and what what he is as a as a player and his impact for your dynasty team. Um, honestly, though, if I, gosh, I, I think I, I think I would do it just for that stack because you think about you know the dynasty it can be so focused on picks that the chances that those hit and are it, depending on who you pick and like how you the, the draft pool that you look at it's not. Um, you know, having someone as surefire as Jamar Chase can change the trajectory for your dynasty team. So I'm fine paying that. I do think it's on the higher end. I mean, if I could like find a way to get like two firsts in there instead of that and, and a second instead of that third, I'd happily do that. Um, you know, on the other end though, like as someone, if you have Chase, I, what I think in my opinion is like, I don't ever want to trade that guy, even if I'm rebuilding, unless I'm like struggling so heavily with depth where I can't put together a, a lineup at all then I'm keeping Chase because he's going to be around for, what, seven more years? He's only 23 years old at, at high peak level of performance. I'd hope at some point for my dynasty team in those seven years I'll be contending, and then Chase will be leading the way for me. So, um, you know, if if I have him, you know, and this is, I think, the conversations we're all having in our dynasty teams, no one wants to trade away Chase. But, you know, if that's the price, I think I'd, I'd be tempted to do it. I'd be fine doing it um, because, man, the, the impact that he has is is – so drastic for your team where you could just change the the course of a matchup with, with one play. Um, you don't have many guys that can do that. Right. And so um, at 23 years old, so yeah, man, uh, top tier player. Um, wish I had him in any of my dynasty leagues, but I don't. So, and I've tried to acquire it. <laughs> so I, I guess I'll be the counterpoint here. I mean, I, not to disagree, but I, you know, this is just me, my personal philosophy. I'm a, I'm a pick hoarder type of guy. And so maybe at my own peril, but three first just is, is so steep to me. I mean, I understand he's an elite talent. I know there's a definite alert to pairing him with with Burrow in the scenario that you painted. But I mean, that price. I mean, frankly, what's to say one of those first don't end up becoming Marvin Harrison Jr. next year, or you know, a, a player of that ilk? And then you've got Marvin Harrison Jr. plus two first for for Jamar Chase. I, I would do that deal every every day. So, I mean, that's you're gambling on that. You don't know. That's it's not mm-hmm. a certainty. It could be the last pick of the first round. You just don't know. Um, but I guess my philosophy for dynasty has always, I've tried to build through the draft. You know, you try to just build through those young assets and that there's a lot of speculation to that. So you, you had better be good at it if you're going to play that way. Um, but you know, if you trade away three future first, that really stunts your ability to do that and to take that approach. So I, I would probably out be out at that price point, but I don't fault anybody that wants to dive in there either. It's it just a guy that you just don't see many, many, uh, trades where Jamar Chase has moved in terms of dynasty nope. because people yeah, aren't no. willing to pay that right now and people aren't wanting to sell as you've both mentioned so mm-hmm. we'll move, move on to another wide receiver who's who's a real top dynasty wide receiver um so yeah T Higgins is is he someone that you're still interested in early drafting early in startups it's obviously coming up to that contract renewal point do you think that they were able to re-sign T Higgins Jamar Chase and Joe Barr in the next couple of years um, and then he sits alongside like so Devontae Smith, Drake London, DK Metcalf, and Jackson Smith and Jigba in terms of ADP. Um, whereabouts do you have him ranked amongst amongst those four? I can uh, I can jump in here first. Um, f- obviously, Cincinnati is going to be challenged to get Higgins under the cap with Chase and Burrow, and even Mixon that we spoke about earlier. Uh, maybe they find a way to massage the numbers and keep that trio together, uh, the two pass catchers and, and Burrow. Um, but frankly, I, I'm not really as concerned with that when it comes to my evaluation of him as a dynasty asset. I think if he stays, 
he obviously performs perhaps the league's best receiving tandem with Chase in the situation that he's in now. And he's got familiarity in Cincinnati, which you like. But if he leaves, he's still going to be a 25-year-old receiver with top skills, and he's going to be in his prime. He's going to have the freedom to hand-select where he goes as far as a landing spot. So he's, it's not like he's going to end up in a terrible situation because he's going to, unless he opts for money, which I guess is a possibility, but um, you know, you would think he would pick at least a serviceable situation to walk into. Um, so, I mean, I like Higgins quite a bit. I value him probably adjacent to DK Metcalf in that list that you rattled off there, but I would probably put him above all of the other options there. I mean, I just think he has that type of talent and especially if he stays with the Bengals. I mean, I really like the, the tandem that he forms with Chase and uh, and Burrow in the in the backfield. Yeah, com- completely agree. I I think that it'll be interesting to see how they kind of fit all those guys into their cap space, and I think that's where they'll have to make some tough decisions. In you know, for with Mixon being one of them, Tyler Boyd is off the books after this year, I believe. So there's some cap space that's going to be freed up there. I don't envision them ta- bringing him back unless they let um, Higgins go, which if you know, it's just hard to see them let go of a guy who's so integral uh, to that offense. And you see what he did last year. I know he um, had a couple of games where he left, multiple games where he left with injury, uh, but in games where he played you know, at least 50% of the snaps, he had 23% of the targets, uh, 34% of the air yards, which is awesome to see. And he was the wide receiver, 19 expected points. Couple that with an efficient offense. He's borderline wide receiver, you know, high-end wide receiver too with the upside to be a wide receiver one and you know that's where if he stays with the Bengals I think there's maybe that cap on on what he could be but if he goes anywhere else you know that he has the talent to be that wide receiver one so I'm in in the of these guys that you guys that you listed I'd I think he's right there for me with DK Metcalf and Devontae Smith um kind of in that you know that I guess that'd be like borderline wide receiver ones you know high and wide receiver twos for dynasty and I'm um, but I'm happy to, to grab T Higgins because the situation he's in right now is great. And I, I find it hard to believe he'll go to a place where he can't thrive as well. So I'm, I'm fine with him, um, regardless of what happens, um, in free agency for him. I love that. And, and Kev, for you, would you prefer T Higgins to re-sign with, with Cincinnati or would you prefer that he moves away for his overall ceiling in, in dynasty if you did hold him? Yeah, I actually think that he will re-sign in Cincinnati. I think that's the best place for him. With like the guys mentioned, there's potential guys that are going to leave the offense. Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon's near the end as well. He's going to end up in jail soon. Um, <laughs> we're going to come on to a tight end. Who I don't think's I don't think's great, but yeah, I, I think that is the best place for him. In terms of the the five players you mentioned, I'd have him slap bang in the middle. I think if he goes elsewhere, he can handpick his spot, which. For Dy- you open your place dynasty and he wants to land on like a, a i don't know a chiefs or something but um <laughs> it, it's there is that doubt isn't there, that he'll just take the money and, and make mm-hmm. way of it. it was a second round pick um in the draft so maybe he wants to cash in but yeah i think i think he'll stay i think that's great news i think if he does stay as well he's just really rock solid mid-range wide receiver one in dynasty yeah we love to higgins i want to see him re-sign personally but um a guy that they did sign that, yeah, this is a, just a bit of a mess, this tight end room. So, Kev, over to you for your question. Yeah, it's just, it just reminded me of that that, um, that, that gif where it's like, a, so there's a chance sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Irv Smith tight end, um, I'm not an Irv fan. I think a lot of this, it's an opportunity to sell him in my eyes, the fact that the situation with the Bengals, but 
yeah, looking back over his career, he's yet to have a 100-point fantasy season. I think four receptions. Now, he has battled injuries. He's still only 25. He was a top 50 draft pick back in 2019. So maybe I'm just being a little bit harsh because I was a Tyler Conklin fan when they was both in, in Minnesota. But just want to note, tight end 21, Bengals offense, um, high-powered. Is that... Is that making it enticing for him as a Titan 2 streamer guy, or are you completely out on Earth Smith after not the greatest stats he's created? To give a bit of context, Hayden Hurst was top 20 in fantasy points per game last season. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, I think it, I'm not necessarily like clamoring to grab Earth Smith for my dynasty teams, but, um, I think it's easy to forget that he actually was a good prospect back in 2019 and just has dealt with injuries and, and, um, you know, played behind Kyle Rudolph for a little bit there. Um, and, you know, to your point, um, Hurst, though, who he is replacing, wasn't necessarily the most effective tight end. So that's kind of the the thing that makes me hesitate a little bit. Hurst was only the tight end 16 in, in expected half PPR points per game. So the usage wasn't there, which makes sense when you have a rock solid trio of wide receivers that you'd rather get involved than Hurst. But, you know, when we're talking about the tight end landscape and i know we'll talk about you know the browns and, and joku too later but outside of the the top what six seven or eight i'm just going to try to find guys if i don't have them on my dynasty team i'm acquiring a bunch of guys that are in a high-powered offense that could have opportunities in the red zone and and irv smith happens to be one of those guys so at that cost i'm fine investing in him um uh knowing and hoping that i have another tight end on my roster or two that can that can, I can plug in as well. He's not someone I'd rely on every week, but the upside is certainly there to at least give you, you know, that, you know, eight, nine, ten PPR points, which is, you know, plenty to be a tight end one apparently. So, um, you know, that's um, definitely the, the upside's there, but um, it's it's for sure limited because of the volume. And I would say, you know, Kevin, I share your skepticism about Smith. Um, get, he's had a bit of a false start to his pro career, if you will. Um, but that said, at, at tight end 21, I, I really love the price point on the guy. I mean, he's in a great place to resuscitate his career. If you're going to go somewhere, that's the place you want to go. Um, I would say certainly Smith can rival Hayden Hurst in the athleticism department. Mm-hmm. And in the Cincy offense, who's to say what his potential could poten- you know, could possibly be? Um, the problem here is that I'm doubtful that you'll find Smith priced as a tight end 21 um, mm-hmm. because you've got people who drafted him held on to him for over four years. <laughs> They're going to clutch those shares, you know, with white knuckles and, and try to get, you know, a fresh lease on life with the Bengals. Uh, yeah. So I don't necessarily blame them if you're, if you've held on to them that long, hoping for, you know, some signs of, of uh, promise, but I'm not going to pay up on his potential. If I can get him for cheap, I'm happy to stash him, but I'm not going to pay, you know, big time prices that the people that drafted him are probably looking to solicit now that he's landed in a more uh, favorable position. Indeed. And yeah, for a couple of years, uh, Kev has certainly took the mickey out of me and Matt for being big fans of Earth Smith, saying that the breakout's coming. Um, <laughs> hopefully, he's not going to draw me back in this season. <laughs> but who's to say that I might just get back, get drawn back into it? Um, yeah, I think that, that rounds up the, the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll move on to division rivals, the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, starting at the quarterback position, we've got to talk about Deshaun Watson. And obviously, there's a lot of hope for him to come back um, into that offense last year. But he really did not look great, and especially for fantasy, um, didn't look his old self. So perhaps he was he was rusty for having two years off. Um, so yeah, just what's Deshaun Watson's ceiling for for year two in this Browns offense? 
Um, obviously, in his career, he's finished as the quarterback five in fantasy three times. Um, do you see a world where he ever gets back to around about quarterback five? Could he be maybe quarterback eight? Um, he's currently quarterback 12 on keep trade cut. Um, so at that price, are you buying or are you selling or is he a hold? Is he valued appropriately at quarterback 12? So I'll say, first of all, you know, we always have to kind of make this disclaimer these days with him. But, you know, separating the personal from the on the field attributes mm. is, is critical when you're evaluating Watson. Um, and I don't say that to be trite. I mean, there's pro teams that decided that his personal conduct was not, you know, such that they wanted to get involved in and when the sweepstakes was on last summer. So, you know, there's people that run their dynasty teams that way too. And I don't fault them for that. You want to have guys that you make, that you want to root for, that you're happy to have. Um, so I'm saying all that. And because I want to make sure that, you know, we classify that and put that kind of aside, I'm going to just talk about his football acumen and, and what he could bring to your roster if you choose to, to go after him. Um, if you can put those details aside and focus on the football, I think you'll find, I mean, he's a 28 year old quarterback and he's had significant success in the league. I um, mean, as you mentioned, he's three times finished within the top five and that was on a dysfunctional Texans organization that really not known for putting their players in, in, in the best position. So, I mean, it's not like he was on a stacked roster and just kind of lucked into, I mean, it, it's definitely the talent that, that shown through in the past when he's had success. Um, as a player, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Watson. I think he was understandably rusty after an almost two-year hiatus from the game. Um, he's going to have a full offseason under his belt in Cleveland. He's not going to be dealing with the madness that went on last summer with, you know, every day it seemed like you woke up and he was a oh, favorite to go to a different organization. And, and round and round we went on the carousel. He's going to have a lot more stability. Um, he's got an incredibly strong offensive line. I mean, PFF has them ranked second in the league going into this season in terms of strength of offensive line. Um, he's got one of the top backs in Chubb, and he's got a receiving core that's headed at least by Amari Cooper. I mean, we're going to talk later about the rest of his core after that, um, which gets a little bit more uh, murky. But, I mean, as a quarterback 12, I'd absolutely be interested in him at that, press, at that price point if you can get him there. But I kind of going back to what I just said about Irv Smith, if people have held on to Watson all this time, I don't think they're going to sell him to you now at a quarterback 12 price because they're finally seeing come to the light on the horizon. And they're thinking, you know, now's my time to shine. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not parting with them now. So um, it's all that to say is I, I like his potential, but I don't know that you'll be able to get him at a discount at this point, maybe last summer, given the huge suspension that he was facing, you might be able to, to leverage that. But right now I think you're going to pay top prices for him. Yeah, I agree. I think there's in, in some ways you're, you might have to pay a little more than you'd like um, considering in, in my opinion, what there could be that lower ceiling as well, just because of the offense that he's in. Um, and, and part of that is because of their, their, offensive tenden tendencies. So with Watson in, in their lineup, they were 22nd in the league in neutral situation passing rate. Um, obviously a very run heavy team with a guy like Chubb in there. And and so Watson, not surprisingly, was only the QB 19 expected fantasy points per game among quarterbacks who played at least six games. And that's despite a heavy rushing volume that he had at 19.7% of their rushing share. So he was involved as a rusher, but the, the passing volume just wasn't there. And when you think about him kind of elevating back into what he was with the Texans, like that top five, top four range, um, you think about the quarterbacks that are there now, right? Hertz and Allen, what makes him so special and so basically a cheat code for fantasy is that not only do they rush the ball, 
and that they're effective in that, but because they're in an offense that wants to pass the ball really uh, at, it, in first down, second down, in the red zone, at any point, they're, they're willing to pass the ball there. And and you just didn't see that with Cleveland last year. Now, what, whether that changes because he now has an offseason um, under his belt there with them and he can actually establish rapport with some of the receivers and, and that coaching staff, then I could see that changing. But for, for him to get to that top range again, they just either need to be uh, a little more pass heavy than they were. And that could happen. Or Watson just needs to be highly efficient, which we didn't see last year, but again, rusty after not playing for a while. So maybe that's part of it too. I'm just a little hesitant to invest in him. And, you know, to Jason's point where you might have to pay a little closer to peak value. I'd, I'd rather go after someone else that may not, um, you know, some people aren't as high on. So um, yeah, that's uh, I'd probably be hesitant at, at the price that he's going on right now. Yeah, and Kev, to Sean Watson, he currently at Keep Trade Cut, you've got the the three rookie quarterbacks that are going ahead of him. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, I think we'd all have him ahead of him. But in terms of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, they're both ranked ahead of Deshaun Watson. Is that is that just for the, the rookie hype, or do you think that's fair? And um, would you be picking Watson ahead of these two guys? I think it's wild. Yeah, I think um, obviously, <laughs> I don't expect uh, Deshaun Watson Texans sort of bounce back straight away if not for a couple of years because you've got to think Texans you're indoors you're playing from behind most weeks because it's a terrible team Cleveland it's a lot better team they're outdoors AC North's a really tough division uh, historically as well so I'm not expecting him to be a top three QB again but I think QB 12 that's a little bit disrespectful I can understand it because there will be a quarter a half of your league that are not going to buy into Watson which does make it dangerous if you're ever looking to move off him. You've got half your league that aren't interested straight away, no matter what the price is. So I can understand the market value, but these three rookies, we know absolutely nothing about them other than they're potentially enticing. Out of the three, if they if they all hit the ceiling, them three and Watson, there's only Richardson that gets close. Young and Stroud, they don't have the ceiling for me. I think they've got better flaws that maybe than if Watson goes completely off the rails, but yeah, I think he's a massive value. I managed to get him at the two twelve and a start to pair with Mahomes in one this off season, which Mahomes and Watson. That's like chef's kiss, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. And talking about high ceilings, has this running back still got a high ceiling for you, Kev? Over to you for your question. Yeah, Nick Chubb. Interesting guys. Always been a fade of mine, just based on the high risk, excellent real life runner. Honestly, like talent-wise, as a rusher, I'd have him top three, top two, maybe even neck and neck with Derek Henry as a runner, purely. But low weekly floor due to the lack of pass work. Uh, last season, he made me look like a bit of a fool because he was running back six in fancy points per game due to that crazy fast start, 13 touchdowns. Um, and then that, thinking about him this season, a Watson-led offense is enticing for the rush work, the red zone opportunities. Um, sort of like keeping people honest etc but yeah running back 15 at market age 28 season would you prefer Nick Chubb at that cost or would you prefer taking a slight discount on Derrick Henry the man himself yeah um, that that's a great question I think those are two interesting running backs to compare because they are slightly older and Henry being maybe a year or two older but um, if I had to choose between those two I'd 
actually pick Henry, even though he is older, because, you know, considering the price, um, I, I believe they're probably priced fairly closely because of the age and, and no one really wants to acquire old running backs apparently anymore in Dynasty League. So there's there's always that market for you to capitalize on that as a contender. Um, and I, I do echo um, your sentiments about the like the volatility right with him. We saw that to start the year before their bye week, he was on an absolute tear, one of the most efficient running backs. And then we saw the regression happen um, in in the second half. And e so even though he was the RB six and a half PPR points per game, only the RB 15 and expected fantasy points. So that tells you the gap there is relying heavily on efficiency. Mm -hmm. There's that up. There's that potential for regression. Um, Henry, on the other hand, just assuming both stay healthy, Henry was the RB six in usage and expected fantasy points last year led all running backs with a 46% opportunity share because essentially half of that, the, the, the Titans offense. And I don't see that really changing if he's healthy. The second running back in opportunity share was Jacobs at 40%. There's that massive gap there. Chubb was at 32% to just provide, you know, a comparison there. So the, the massive difference there with Henry, even last year, kind of taking on some more of that, the, the, the passing volume as well. Um, I'd rather have him who's he's shown us if he's healthy. Um, and that's the caveat. If he's healthy and I know he's getting older, he's kind of like on that cliff now. Um, I'd still take Henry. And um, obviously it depends on the price um, in your dynasty leagues. But if, if they're one-to-one, -one, give me Henry, um, assuming assuming health there. And uh, I guess I'll be <laughs> I'll, I'll be kind of a counterpoint to that argument. Well, I agree <laughs> that it's a good argument. I, lo I love it. I love it. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess I appreciate the concerns regarding the lack of pass catching. That's definitely a factor. Um, I think I'm still opting for Chubb, given the choice between he and Henry. And I think my answer has more to do with team makeup than anything else. I mean, when I look at Tennessee, I see them as a team in transition. Over the last two drafts, they've added Levis, Haskins, Tajay Spears, Terrylon Burks, and Okonkwo from for you know on their to their offense. So they've got a lot of young talent there. Um, they're clearly looking to turn the page and kind of reset for the future. Uh, I, obviously, I expect guys like Henry and Tannehill to start the season. Um, but if things go poorly from a record standpoint, I, I would not at all be surprised to see them start to pivot to that youth movement that they've got going on down there and kind of prepare for for what lies ahead. Um, not to mention, I think with Henry on as a, an expiring deal, they may also, if they are doing well, they may opt to kind of ride him into the ground, you know, at, at his age and given what what uh they're trying to, to do down there. So if they are successful, he may get kind of dinged up from, uh, from overuse. Um, and that's a daunting proposition for, for an often injured player and an aging running back. Um, so if you contrast that, I feel like Chubb's kind of in a, in a brighter spot. It sounds funny to say that Cleveland would ever be a bright spot, but um, <laughs> I think he's no longer going to have to be the sole focal point of that offense with Watson kind of back in the fold and, and, and a more full-time player for them. Um, now with Kareem Hunt out of town, he's going to have perhaps more options for pass catching role. Um, and I think, I guess I would sum it up to say like with Henry, I, I think you're probably paying a ceiling price, Like you know, that's the best that he could possibly be. Whereas I think with Chubb, it's kind of more of a floor price. You, you kind of know that they're going to, to use him. He's going to be utilized and there's not so much of a concern about is the changing of the guard going to take place there is the guy coming in from behind him to kind of usurp him. There's really nobody on that depth chart behind him that really concerns me from a from an advancement standpoint. So I'll say Chubb, but I, I appreciate all the points that were made in favor of Henry as well. <laughs> I think that's the best part about dynasties that you could uh, is that there it, there is value in, in 
in all of these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just dependent on your team makeup and and how you want to build your team. So uh, while I was against uh, Chubb, I do think he is a great running back, and I could see him absolutely smash again this year. It just you know that depends on on how you want to build your team, but. That that's why it's so f- fun to have these discussions because both guys could be <laughs> top five running backs exactly. next year. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I like that the be... nerds uh, disagree with courtesy. That's that's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And Kev, Nick Chubb for you, is he still a fade this offseason? Um they've obviously got rid of Kareem Hunt now. Um surely they I think they're a prime candidate to bring in one of these other veteran running backs that's on the free agent market. So I think I think the Browns think that they're gonna contend. And if they do um, are they going to look to add? And is that going to take away what what Chubb does? Yeah, I think they might bring in uh, Kareem Hunt, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we see that before, don't we? Where they end up cutting someone, and then bringing them back when they they realise that Jerome Ford isn't the isn't the answer, and they're expecting to compete. Um, <laughs> but I just think, yeah, just Chubb and Henry in Dynasty. I don't have a lot of them, if anything, in Dynasty. Just um, I prefer running backs that catch passes uh, in the main. Uh, Henry actually did show a bit of pass catching last season. Um, and when he does um, get it in space, it's obviously just a wrecking ball. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, I forgot what your question was. But, yeah, Nick Chubb, <laughs> just keep fading. <laughs> yeah. Eventually we'll be right. I got there. <laughs> so, yeah, we better move on to the wide receiver and um, still the established wide receiver, Amari Cooper. Um, when Deshaun Watson came in, he was the wide receiver 27 in the games that Watson was in at quarterback in 2022. So not not amazing. But then with Jacoby Brissett, he was much better. And over the course of the season, finished as the wide receiver 10. So um, for you, for you lads, is can he still be a wide receiver one in 2023? Do you like the prospects of Amari Cooper? And do you think perhaps he's a value now? He's getting up there in age. Um, is he a guy that can still put wide receiver one numbers up? Uh, I'll say I do think he is a value to your question. Um, I think he, you know, he's got to be a pass catcher in that offense because it's just for a lack of other options there. Um, that said, you know, the volume to me doesn't isn't enough for me to consider him ever regarding for a, a wide receiver one spot. I mean, I look at the top, the, the wide receiver one candidates, and you've got guys like Amon Ross, St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, T. Higgins. They're at the back back end of that wide receiver one class. And to me, I, there's no way I can put Amari Cooper above any of those guys. So um, I think it's, you know, Cleveland has a very run-heavy philosophy, which we just talked about. They've been top 10 in run percentage over the last three seasons, and they were top eight in 2022. And I don't believe they're going to deviate from that, you know, going forward. That seems they've established that that's their identity. Um, I think, you know, for Cooper to climb into that upper tier, it seems not not practical or not not likely. Um, instead, I feel very comfortable regarding him as a wide receiver too, and I would gladly pay for him at that price. You know, if you've got him locked into your second spot, you're, you're probably looking pretty well from week to week, but for, for a wide receiver one, I think that's just a bit, a bridge too far for me. Yeah. I'm, for some reason, I'm mostly just agreeing with you here, but I, I do, <laughs> I do agree that, um, I think wide receiver one is a little, um, optimistic and and part of that is because like you talked about uh, the passing offense and I think it just depends on how far Watson can take them right I think it's dependent on how efficient he can be as a passer uh, already talked about the Browns not being a pass heavy team and I was digging into Amari Cooper um, you know uh, over the last couple of days and I was surprised that he actually was uh, he had a 25% target share a 39% air yard share with Watson 
And you think of those numbers and you're like, oh my gosh, that's like, that should be a wide receiver one. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's, you go back quality of those targets, the, the frequency of those targets, even your, even though you're, um, accounting for most of it, his expected points were only around 9.5 in half PPR leagues. That's wide receiver 33. So, you know, that's, you got to rely on efficiency there, get those touchdowns if you can. And, and we just didn't see that with Watson. Right. Um, and so that's where, um, if he can maintain those, uh, market share numbers and they can elevate that offense, then I could see them. He could be around that like low end wide receiver one range, but if they kind of maintain that run heavy philosophy, which has worked so well and, and, when you have Chubb, it's hard to argue otherwise, right? Um, even though we just bashed him like literally a few minutes ago. Uh, but I think that's their offense. It's the run-heavy offense. And unless that changes, um, with also Elijah Moore coming in, who you know we'll talk about him in a little bit, yeah, it's possible Amari Cooper's target share goes down a little bit. And then at the same time, um, in a run-heavy offense, there just isn't as much opportunity for him to get into that wide receiver one range. Yeah, I love it. And... Obviously, we've not got Matt on, who would be just waxing lyrical about Amari Cooper, who loves the guy. But <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin wide receiver 37 on keep trade cut. We know keep trade cut is rubber ages, so it will be fading Amari Cooper at this stage of his career. Um, but is he, is he a guy at that that sort of... Um, are, you, are you happy to pay that sort of money for Amari Cooper as, say, wide receiver 2-1 on, on your dynasty team? Yeah, it's a roller coaster with Amari Cooper. I think that that, that tier of wide receivers from literally like 15 20 to 40 45 50 it's very flat tier so you, you can be looking at things like if you've got watson on your team cooper's appealing if you've got lots of um sort of younger wide receivers on uh, earlier on in your draft picks you maybe take cooper just to get the age split a little bit as well so yeah i, I can't see him in wide receiver one again but he's someone that's appealing at that price um based on the various t- team builds you've got and how we expect things to, to play out uh, volatility-wise. Yeah, agreed. And then over to you, Kev, to sort out the rest of the wide receiver room. <laughs> sort it out, yeah. We'll, we'll try and sort it out for, for the audience here. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting group, actually. I think I've seen fans of all these uh, various players on their own. Um, people want to tell a story about each one, how they're going to be the wide receiver too, tied to tied to Watson, which is, if you're just doing it on that basis, it's appealing, but maybe not as appealing when you think about pass volume, etc. Um, superstar tight end as well on that team. Um, well, but um, yeah, I think interesting trade for Elijah Moore, first of all. You've got your third round selection of Tillman this year, and you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a top 40 wide receiver last season, so... Yeah, I'll just throw it out to you. Who do you think will be the wide receiver too for fantasy? Um, is there anybody that's appealing to you in Dynasty more than the other two? Yeah, um, to your point, the wide receiver two on in that offense, um, there's definitely limits to it. And, and that's why I think we just need to also like temper our expectations. If I had to pick one of those guys, I'm probably on uh, Team Elijah Moore. Um, which I've, I've heard, you know, arguments for every single one of those guys already, but I, I think it's, it, it's hard for me to let Elijah Moore go considering what he dealt with, with the jets coming out of Ole Miss just in, in my process was, was a 92nd percentile wide receiver as a prospect, really solid, uh, player and, and prospect. And I know the jets kind of tainted his value a little bit over the last couple of years with some of those injuries they dealt with, but then also the quarterback inconsistencies. But, you know, I, I hate doing splits because there's there's this context of like you can do a split at any point throughout the career and, and you can like 
you know, paint the picture in one way, but we always see this with rookie wide receivers that there's, there's this rookie bump after the bye week. Right. And we saw that exact thing with his rookie year in 2021, where he was the wide receiver, 17 expected fancy points. So wide receiver to usage there with the jets, uh, wide receiver, eight and fancy points over expected. So the efficiency was there as well. And he was, so he was in the midst of a breakout year until he suffered that quad injury and they put him on IR. So it's hard for me to to not look at that, see what he did as a prospect in at Ole Miss as well. And he's only 23 years old. Um, I'm not sure how old Tillman is, but isn't he as old, if not older than, than uh, Elijah Moore? So that's why I'm, I'm still intrigued by Elijah Moore if I had to pick one of these guys. But, um, you know, to, to your guys' point, wide receiver two in a, in a Browns offense with, with Watson may not be as valuable as we think. And, you know, we kind of already talked about Mari Cooper, the limits there that applies to for uh, the wide receiver two on this offense. And, and I would just say, I mean, after Cooper, obviously, I think the wide receiver core gets very murky um mm-hmm. to your point it's a crowded room i don't think there's really any clear wide receiver two candidate amongst that trio that we've been talking about um to me it seems like the philosophy of the browns was to just pack that room and see which candidate kind of emerges through training camp um they all have kind of some some downside or some warts to them tillman's an intriguing prospect but he's got a limited root tree he ran mostly vertical routes at tennessee um and he's always been on the right side of their alignment as well. So he's, he's not familiar with pre-snap mm-hmm. motion, which is a big part of obviously what happens in the NFL. And I think he's going to take some time to acclimate. Um, Peoples-Jones, he saw an increase last year. He netted nearly 100 targets, but he didn't really do much with those 100 targets. Um, so he kind of fell back in, a, in that larger role. And obviously the Browns had an urgency about bringing in some competition. So they're not sold on his ability to kind of seize that role, uh, that job there. And then lastly, I mean, I, I guess I might be ostracized from the fantasy analyst community, but I'm not, I'm not as hyped about Elijah Moore. Um, I definitely see the potential, um, but I, you know, I, I think he had ample opportunity to kind of prove himself as a jet. And, and despite not much competition, he kind of failed to do that. I know he battled injuries, but um, I think, you know, he had a thin depth chart there. And he, instead of internalizing his frustrations, he kind of publicly lashed out at the at the management, which didn't help his situation or his standing in the league. You know, certainly ownership and and management don't like to see that happen. Um, you know, maybe a fresh start in Cleveland is exactly what he needs. I'm just a little bit dubious or skeptical of it, so I kind of want to see it before I buy into it. Um, I would say if you can acquire a share or two of this trio, and you can get them at kind of lottery ticket prices, I'm okay with it. Kind of just stash them and see what happens. Um, but if you're paying any more than that kind of deep discount, it feels like you're being a little bit overly optimistic on any of those guys. Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said, really. It's been really disappointing to guys that I liked. And Elijah Moore coming across to, to the Browns, not a great situation. There has been quite a few people that have been excited for the move. But as you've both alluded to, wide receiver two spot on the Browns is not a fantasy productive one. And then Tillman, he was a guy that I was pretty excited about coming out this this year. Um, to land in that spot as well is is really not great. So um, I probably would even take the discount on People's Jones as the the cheapest one of the three. Um, Kev, which one of these three are you most interested in? Um, you can't say none. <laughs> oh, it, just just for the rookie model, it's Elijah Moore. He's really letting down the scores of that rookie model with his output so far. They had him like very similar, if not higher than. Guys like Waddle, Bateman, etc. So he needs to hit. Otherwise, uh, I look a little bit daft. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to a guy that you do absolutely love in 
in terms of fantasy and David Njoku, the tight end, um, and just a guy that I always seem to go to uh, in a draft. If I miss out on one of the elite tight ends, it seems to be David Njoku. He's one of the guys that I like to, to take a dart throw on. Um, yeah, do you guys like David Njoku in, in Dynasty? And then um, what is your general tight end strategy? Because some people's has changed throughout the years. Um, if you do miss out on one of the, the elite guys, who are the sort of guys that you target and um, later on in your drafts? So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm also bullish on Njoku. I mean, I think he finished. I know he finished as a tight end eleven in PPR scoring last year, um, and that was without Watson for a majority of the season. So um, he's got a, I would say, a, a pretty big upgrade at quarterback. Um, it stands to reason that big things could be in store for him going forward. Um, I think it's been he's been in the league for a long time, and it feels that he's been in the league a long time. But he's really only on the precipice of his age twenty seven season. It's right in the center of that 20, 25 to 30-year-old span, which is typically regarded as the prime, prime years for tight end production. I think, um, Marvin, you did a study on that, actually. I, I found I found that information on something that you published. So I don't want to <laughs> yeah. take credit for it. You, you certainly deserve it. Um, so, But I think he's kind of like primed for, for uh, I don't want to say a breakout because I think he's kind of been right, right in front of our eyes. But um, if you can get him at a cheap price, I have no ob- objection to that at all. As far as like my philosophy on the general philosophy from dynasty on tight ends, I think, I think we have a similar approach um, based on your question. Um, my first preference is to try to acquire one of the elite options in that top tier guys like Kelsey Andrews Kittle, because I think it gives you a significant advantage over, over the competition. But if you fail to snag one of those or they become too pricey, um, I would just pivot to the guys in that tight end one tight end two fringe you know, kind of range that I feel have a higher upside. And I, I would say Njoku kind of fits perfectly into that profile. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, you look at what Njoku did. I mean, top top 10 in, in so many metrics, yards per run, great after the catch as well. Um, and, and there's, yeah, there you go. Love Njoku this season. I mean, he, he I think he's going to be, once again, a solid tight end one with the upside to maybe elevate into that next tier. Um, and, and so I, for me in dynasty, I think he's, he's firmly in that like tight end eight, tight end nine range, like where maybe Dalton Kincaid is right now as high as he's going. Um, but he's not in that top tier, but for his price and what he could become, um, I, I think I'm, I'm willing to pay that for Njoku and, and love him in, in tight end premium leagues and all that, just because he doesn't cost you as much as like a Travis Kelsey, which obviously there's that gap, but he'll still hold your team together. If you have a strong wide receiver running back core, mm-hmm. um, but as for like tight end strategy, very similar to what Jason said, I, I want to get one of those top guys, right? But that's not always realistic because once those guys are on someone's team, they probably won't trade them away, um, which is really tough to, you know, then to find a tight end that can rival what a Travis Kelsey Andrews will will provide for your opponent. But I, I usually try to think ahead. And it's funny you mentioned that article because I was looking at that again. I think I wrote it like <laughs> a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Um, but the the... When you look at tight ends and when they kind of enter that like top five range, top five, top six range, it's usually around 25 years old in their fourth season. And we mm-hmm. saw that last year with TJ Hawkinson, right? Great situation, showed us top, you know, top production and, and that upside. And then he entered that, you know, top three, I think he was last year in points per game um, or top five at the very least. So when I look at some of these tight ends, I like to find guys that could enter that range here who are kind of approaching age 25 their fourth season so i think about guys like pat fryermuth uh cole Komet, and this is maybe a little early but trey mcbride who i liked as a prospect and and could uh, have some opportunities here 
and, and will be 24, I think, this year. Um, so maybe a little early for him, but, you know, Friar Moose, Cole Komet, those guys won't cost you as much as some of these, even Joku even. Um, but there's, there is that upside that if, let's say, the Bears elevate their offense because of what they did this offseason, he could um, enter that, that top five, top six tight end range and eventually, you know, improve in dynasty value. And that's, you know, that's all we're trying to do here, right, in dynasties, find these guys and, and find the guys that can improve in value. And so just looking for those tight ends with upside is, is what I try to do if I can't get that, that top uh, tier Travis Kelsey, Andrews, or, um, you know, Kyle Pitts, I guess he's still in there too. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And Kev, just a last word on you on and Joku, because I know you were, you were on him before I am. So you need to take the credit for this one. Uh, yeah, I just think it was an easy process last season, last off season, thinking Njoku round on draft capital, super athletic. People weren't factoring into the Sean Watson hype that there was, as soon as it hit the lineup, you was going to see people get really excited about Njoku. So a really easy guy to pick up value last season. He's now dropped to tight end 13, which uh, just shaking my head, really seeing guys like Laporta and Kincaid above him, which, yep, yeah, fair enough, the, the, the shiny new toy, but <laughs> over the next three years, I think Njoku's going to smoke those guys. No, love it, Kev. And with that, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Marvin, for, for coming on, sharing this hour with us in in your, in your Saturday morning. Um, really appreciate you coming on and helping us raise money for, for this Mind Charity. Um, but before we let you go, is there anything that you'd like to plug and let the audience know where they can find you? Go for it, Jason. All right, sure. Um, yeah, you can find me at uh, you can see my Twitter handle there on the screen. It's 578. Um, that's what the easiest place to, to reach me. I, my, my job is to help you. So um, reach out to me. I'm happy to do whatever I can to help you succeed at fantasy. That's what I'm here for. Um, you'll see written content from me on Dynasty Nerds throughout the summer and the fall. Um, but primarily, you know, just just reach out if there's anything I can do or advice I can give you. I'm, that's what I'm there for. And uh, I also want to say before I jump out, that I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a pleasure being here. I, I love the the mission of what you're doing here today. Um, you know, I want to remind people to go ahead and make a donation to, to Mind Charity if, if they're able to, um, and thank people for tuning in. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys uh, for having us. This was super fun. And like I said, I appreciate you guys setting this up and, and um, you know, uh, raising money for such a great cause. And so, um, yeah, the listeners can find me on FF underscore Marvin E on Twitter. Uh, most of my work finds its way over there at some point. And um, uh, yeah, that's, you know, there's a lot of dynasty uh, storylines to still tell and, and talk about over the next several months. And so, you know, always enjoy interacting with people there when it, whether it's articles or questions. So um, yeah, definitely just reach out if, and, and interact. It's always fun on in the dynasty Twitter world. It's, it's a wild place. <laughs> No, we appreciate you coming on for your first time, Jason and, and Marvin, a returning guest. Um, you've been, you've both been incredible. So, so thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. Good luck, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Take care. With that, we'll bring him back. Hello. We will. <laughs> <laughs> just before we move on to the next show, just want to say a massive thank you again for all the donations we've received so far. Um, you, you can still donate right up until the end of June. Um, so go check out our link on our pinned tweet at Fantasy Wildcard on Twitter and then search Fantasy Wildcard Charity Streamathon 2023 on the Just Given page. Yeah, so thank you again for supporting Mind Charity. Um, we're doing great work in, in the mental health scenes.
When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.